guys. Hello. 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 That is Laura. That's Carrie. We're, We're back. And <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, we are very, very late. We know, guys. We get it. We've had a conversation about we haven't done much with the podcast in the last several months. Um, so we did... We did have a conversation and uh, Laura, I guess, you know, we'll just let them know that we made a decision that uh, after almost four and a half years, we are closing uh, this volume on history of a haunting. Um, our lives have become too big and full that, you know, um, we haven't been able to dedicate the time and the attention and the effort into producing shows every week anymore right now. So it's not that we're bored with it. It isn't that we don't love it. It's not that we don't love you guys. It's not that we've run out of stories to tell. It's just, you know, life happens. You guys all know that. Um, every time we talk to you, you guys message us and like, you know, you have always been so supportive when we needed to take a hiatus or, you know, whatever, work on our mental health or what have you. Um, you guys understand. You guys know that life kind of gets big and there's a lot of stuff going on that needs your attention. So I was starting to feel really guilty and really regretful that I was neglecting history of a haunting as much as I was. So Laura and I had a conversation and, um, you know, we will be back. We will be back. We will still be history of a haunting and we will be back. Um, because this little podcast that was started in my fucking kitchen, Laura, has become this amazing thing, right? We've for sure we've built an amazing community and it's propelled you and I into a life that I think we only ever watched other people live on television. You know, we're paranormal investigators now. We're doing all this really cool stuff. We're going all these really great places. We've met some of the most amazing, wonderful people that are dear, dear friends of ours now. And history of a haunting allowed us to do that. Um, but for now we're closing this particular volume of history of a haunting. Um, Laura and I were talking just before recording and, and we're trying to, we're working out a way to we're figuring out the next, how we start the next, the next volume, I guess we should say. Yeah. The next incarnation, the next incarnation. I like it. I like that. I do. Um, <laughs> I had texted Laura and I was like, I think we should end the podcast. And <laughs> she knew it was coming. Like we hadn't done anything with it for a while. And um, she knows, you know, We're I have a new job. Busy. We're just too busy. We're just too busy. I have a new job. I'm launching a new skincare business. That's going to take up any free time that I have. Um, and it's just, it's just too much, but neither of us really want to end it. And once again, Laura, you have made me see how we can continue doing it. So Laura is <laughs> the heart and soul of the podcast because she just won't let it die. She, the, twice now I've gone there and been like, I think we should end it. And she's like, but what if this? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, what if that? That's a great idea. Um, so, yeah, we don't know the when. Thing we is, as soon as we have time to do it, we love it so much that it's mm -hmm. like. Well, yeah. we still want to do it. Just like, how do we put more hours in the day? And that's the problem. Yeah. We just, there aren't any. And so mm -hmm. we're, Laura has been, you know, tossing around some ideas. And so we're going to take the next 
um, however long bit of time to not revamp the show. We're not changing the show in, in any kind of way, but figure out a way to be able to put out the episodes and tell the stories that we really love that you guys really love. Um, and yet still, you know, maintain our, our work lives and our personal lives and um, give the show everything that it deserves because four and a half years, Laura, that's a long time. That's a long time. I, um, I'm very proud of us. I'm very proud of us. We've done a hell of a job. We've, we do, you know, we host events now and, you know, we're invited to be on other really amazing podcasts and um, we have amazing guests come on our show. I think Jeff Mudgett was probably my favorite guest that we've had on the show. I I couldn't even believe that he (laughs) just reached out and was like, we'll see. And then he was like, I'd love to. And I was all, Oh no, my God, Laura. (laughs) He's that dead. was so fun yeah well for yeah. me in particularly probably yeah. um i mean Andrew having andrea right. perrin on mm-hmm. i mean and like aaron yeah. you know all the time both aaron's and yeah um, mm-hmm. like just our buddies and yeah know, anthony simonelli and oh god um, yeah. all the guys from zach and me. zach's dad yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so much fun. You know, we've we've learned and we've got to see Staticom, all these new methodologies. Um it's it's been it's been wonderful and the podcast has has provided us that uh, all these opportunities. So, um we're not going to end it, but we are going to um yeah, close the chapter on this portion. Uh we don't know when we'll be back. We will be back. But for now, the next um four weeks. Uh, so throughout February, we'll be putting out our last four episodes. Um, and then we're going to keep all our social media up. We're going to do all that. We're still going to interact with you guys on that as we're able to, but, um, and then once we figure out how we want to come back, we'll let you know then. Um, but otherwise, yeah, these next four episodes with the last one being what is that Monday, the 26th, I think. Um, we're still going to do our Monday morning shorts and uh, yeah, we're, we're, when, when we come back, we'll still be on YouTube, all of that. We're not shutting any of this down. Um, so yeah. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. You say stuff now. I think you covered it. Good job. Mm. Yay. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I guess what I will say is um, we were, are going to have a new sponsor when we, um, you know, revamp and come back or whatever. Um, this is the light of mine skincare. It's going to be a sponsor of history of a haunting podcast. That's my new uh, skincare company. We're going to have body butters. Ooh, aren't they pretty? Can you see it? It's reflected kind of weird. We're going to have yummy body butters that have magnesium in them. This one smells like lemon pound cake. We're going to have bath bombs that look like geodes. Ooh, that's so pretty. Although this salt is, it's glittery and sparkly, I promise. Can you see it? (laughs) No. Uh, Big, huge bath bombs. We're going to have amazing chakra bubble bars. Look at that. Oh, that's so pretty. Why is it turning weird there? There. Yeah. Good job. All kinds of stuff. Body scrubs and lotions and 
you know, mini shocker bubble bar sets and it's going to be a great time. So you're going to hear a lot about this little light of mine skincare. And um, yeah, so that's that on that. Go join our mailing list. We open April 12th, this little light of mine skincare.com. And to that end, I say, I don't have a title. This is a new platform for us guys. So I'm still kind of figuring it out. We don't have a title, but we're covering Bigfoot. Yay. We've been wanting to cover Bigfoot for a while. We love a good cryptid, and he's probably one of the most famous. Would you say? Oh, by far. Yeah. By far the most famous. Yeah, way more famous than Mothman. At least in, yeah, at least like in North America, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's very elusive. So um, it's one of those stories where we share it. Laura, I'll start the first part. I'll do the second. And then, um, yeah, we're excited. Uh, So, Laura, why don't you kick it off and tell us all about Bigfoot. Happily. All right. Does he really have a big foot? We have a picture to show you, and it looks like the cutest foot, but it doesn't look big to me. Mm, I think it's a little big. Is it? Okay. Mm. All right. I'll just sit back and let you start. (laughs) All right. Good plan. (laughs) Right. Good plan. (laughs) I'm still talking, so I won't shut me up. (laughs) All right. So Bigfoot, also commonly referred to as Sasquatch, is large and hairy human-like creature alleged to inhabit forests in North America, particularly in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Bigfoot uh, is featured in both American and Canadian folk- folklore and oh, really? has become an enduring icon of popular culture. Yep. I have, a, I have a question. He's big in Canada too. What's up? Is he, is he also, so Bigfoot, Sasquatch and Yeti, is that mm-hmm. kind of all kind of, or is Yeti a different guy? Yeah, he's like different, but also kind of the same. Just depends mm-hmm. on if you believe that. There's like I mean, a th- obviously we're gonna talk real. about this later. Fucking spoiler, but okay then. All there's right, so a I'll, then I'll there's just... a belief that like they all come from a common ancestor, or they're all the same animal that like crossed the land bridge, sure, you know, sure, like okay. ice age and shit, and supposedly died off in other parts of the world, and maybe they're still living over you know in places. So. Okay. And that was the show, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Bigfoot, real? Yes or no? Leave a comment. Um, (laughs) Enthusiasts of this subject, uh, such as those within the pseudoscience of cryptozoology, have offered various forms of evidence to prove Bigfoot's existence, including claims of sightings, as well as photographs, videos, and audio recordings, hair samples, and casts of large footprints. Hair samples? Yeah. Ooh. They're usually... Most of the ones that I have heard of end up being like deer or something, but Uh anyway. However, scholars and academics consider Bigfoot and alleged evidence to be a combination of folklore, misidentification, and hoax rather than a living animal. Folklorists trace the phenomenon of Bigfoot to a combination of factors and sources, including the European wild man figure, um, folk tales, and indigenous cultures. Um, Examples of similar folk tales of wild hair-covered humanoids exist throughout the world, uh, such as the skunk ape of the southeastern United States. No! (laughs) The skunk ape? That's... Huh. Yeah. I don't like that. That's... No? No, I don't like that. (laughs) That's in your neck of the woods, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine running that over? Gross! (laughs) Stay forever. Right. All right. Hey, I have to pause. Hold on. Okay. We're going to pause. Go. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> sorry, guys. So, um, yeah, sorry about your skunk ape. Um, so this also includes, yes, the Yeti in Asia, the Australian mm. Yowie, and creatures in the mythologies of indigenous people. Oh, so cool. Bigfoot is often described as a large, muscular, and bipedal. Biped- is that the right? Bipedal? Bipedal? I don't know. He walks on two fucking legs. Two feet. <laughs> Human or ape-like creature covered in black, dark brown, or dark reddish hair. Listen, I'm just getting dumber by the day. As I get older, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah, I know. We're rusty on like, this shit. Seriously, there. plus, like, I can barely read anymore. I don't know what's happening to me. Like, <laughs> Cheers to 46. Yeah. Like, I'm too tired all the time. I can't even fucking tell you. So, um, all right. Besides me being dumb. Descriptions... Estimate I have roughly six to nine feet, uh, with some descriptions having the creature standing as tall as 10 to 15 feet. Fuck off. That would be terrifying. <laughs> running into. Oh, my God. <laughs> so some alleged observations describe Bigfoot as more human than eight, particularly in regard to the face. Um, in 1971, multiple people in the Dolls, Oregon the Dells, I don't know, whatever, filed a, somewhere in Oregon, filed a police report <laughs> describing an overgrown ape. And one of the men claimed to have sighted the creature in the scope of his rifle, but he couldn't bring himself to shoot it because it looked more human than animal. So common descriptions include broad shoulders, no visible yep. neck, and long arms. I think I've seen this dude at Gold Gym. I think I dated <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With many skeptics attribute to misidentification of a bear standing upright. Yeah, I definitely um, dated this guy. <laughs> some nighttime sightings have stated that the creature's eyes glowed yellow or red. Um, however, eye shine is not present in humids or any other known great apes. Um, oh, yeah, because we don't have that tapedem lucidum. Mm-hmm. It's what makes their makes it glow. eyes shine, yeah. Um, Michael Rugg, the owner of the Bigfoot Discovery Museum, claims to have smelled Bigfoot, stating, imagine a skunk that had rolled around in dead animals and had hung around in the, the garbage pits. Uh, no, I will not. I will not imagine that. <laughs> now that it is- really sounds like somebody carried dated. <laughs> <laughs> Look, high school was a confusing time for me, okay? <laughs> the enormous I, I love the bad boys. <laughs> right, from which the creature is named are claimed to be as large as 24 inches long and 8 inches wide. Um, hard to find shoes. Some footprint casts right. have also contained claw marks, making it likely that they came from known animals such as bears, which have five toes and claws. So ecologists... So, go ahead. What? So he has a two-foot-long foot with mm-hmm. Howard Hughes toenails. Yes. Okay. And Lovely. he sounds like he could benefit from some of my scented bath products. <laughs> I like your shameless plug. Right? <laughs> You're like, Big you know, foot. I could take care of that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. This little light of mine, skincare.com. All right. Eco- wrong show. Ecologist Robert Pilot used that most cultures have accounts of human-like giants in their folk history, um, expressing a need for some larger-than-life creature. Um, each language had its name for the creature featured in the local versions of the legends. Right. Uh, many names mean something like wild man or hairy man, 
although other names described common actions that it was said to perform, such as eating clams or shaking trees. European folklore traditionally had many instances of the wild man of the woods or wild people, um, often described as a naked creature covered in hair with only the face, feet, and hands, and in some cases the knees, elbows, or breasts remaining bare. I'm like it sounds like now a it sounds like someone you dated. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sounds like a hippie lesbian gathering. Go on. All right, these <laughs> European this is where you met Fancy Gap, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> these European wild people ranged from human hermits to human-like monsters. Upon migrating to North America, myths of the wild people persisted with documented sightings of wild people reported in what is now New York State and Pennsylvania. So many of the indigenous cultures across the North American continent include tales of the mysterious hair-covered creatures living in forests. And according to anthropologist David DeLing, uh, these legends existed long before contemporary reports of the creature described as Bigfoot. These stories differed in their details regionally and between families in the same community and are particularly prevalent in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. So Chief Michelle um, from Leighton, British Columbia, told such a story to Charles Hill Tout in 1898. On the Tool River Indian Reservation, petroglyphs created by a tribe of Yokuts at a site called Painted Rock are allegedly by some to depict a group of Bigfoot called the family. The local tribespeople call the largest of the glyphs hairy man, and they are estimated to be between 500 and 1,000 years old. That's so crazy. Right? 16th century Spanish explorers and Mexican settlers told tales of Los Vigilantes Oscuros, or dark watchers, mm. large creatures alleged to stalk their camps at night. In the region that is now Mississippi, a Jesuit priest was living with the Natchez in 1721 and reported stories of hairy creatures in the forest known to scream loudly and steal livestock. Oh my God. It was that, that was what that girl in the tent heard. Yeah, right? Yeah. Go listen <laughs> so, to our short story episode. You'll understand. <laughs> so the, the Stejalis people tell stories about Sasquets a shape-shifting creature that protects the forest. The name Sasquatch is the, um, like, anglicized version of Saskets. Oh, roughly okay. translating to hairy man. In the, sorry, I'm going to murder this. How, Why are all the, look at all these words. language. I know the native words are hard. Um, English words are hard. Yeah. So <laughs> members of the Lumi tell tales about creatures known as semikes. The stories are similar to each other in the general description, uh, but details differ among various family accounts concerning the creature's diet and activities. Hmm. So some regional versions tell of more threatening creatures. Um, the Stayaha or Kwayai were nocturnal <laughs> rates. I don't know. You try. And children were warned against saying the names because they couldn't. Um, <laughs> That's too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so that's near the Hawaiians. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many vows. So that the monsters would not come and carry them off to be killed. 
Ooh, God, the that's Iroquois, terrifying. right? Like, <laughs> this is not all fun stuff. No. The Iroquois tell of an aggressive, hair-covered giant with rock-hard skin. Uh, what did he need to carry? <laughs> Known as the um, Atme Yarhe, or stone giant, more commonly referred to as the Gnosquois in 1847. Yeah. Hey, there's a normal name. Right. In 1847, Paul Kane, the, it's one, one or the other, uh, <laughs> reported stories by the natives about Skookums, a race of cannibalistic wild men living on the peak of Mount St. Helens. Ew. U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt. This is so on. long ago. God, this guy's been around for a while. Yeah. In his 1893 book, The Wilderness Hunter, writes of a story he was told by an elderly mountain man named Bowman, in which a foul-smelling, um, to, by whatever, creature ransacked his paper <laughs> You just give, you're like, fuck it all. I don't even know what it's any of these words. <laughs> anyway. It okay. went, it was after his beaver, it stalked him and later became hostile when it fatally broke his companion's neck. Jesus. Right. Not cool. Roosevelt mm. notes that Bowman appeared fearful while telling the story, but attributed the trapper's German ancestry to have potentially influenced him. So Is the allergies. Is kind of storytelling common in Germany? Um, because I have the wild man. Um, is very common thing in um, like European folklore. So mm, okay, oh, okay, right. I mean, I ask because you know Ackerman. So I have to tell you, right? And the Irish, the Irish Dutch German. So yes. I, all right, I'm gonna go off on a tangent real quick. Okay. So I was talking to this lady at work the other day and she asked me what my last name was from. And I said, Dutch, um, like Dutch, I didn't even say German, but whatever. And so she said, Oh, okay. She's like, not to be racist. I'm like, okay. I'm not offended. And then she, we were ending the conversation. She said, Donka Shane, that's all I know. And I'm like, that's not even fucking Dutch. Ah. <laughs> now you are racist. <laughs> It was just a strange thing to have happen. Anyway, that is <laughs> like dog shade. What the fuck? Anyway, what is dog shade? German. Is it German? Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, I'm like, that's not even the right country. Oh my god. It was an entertaining conversation to, to say the least. Right. But... Well, now you're being punished by all the words in here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Now you take of the Kenai Peninsula in Alaska. Tell of the Nantanak, a Bigfoot-like creature. And the fucked up thing is I wrote this knowing that all these words were going to be hard. And I was like, nah, it'll be fine. This folklore was featured in the Discovery Plus television series, Alaskan Killer Bigfoot. Oh, I saw that claims, on Discovery Plus. Oh, did you? Yes. That it was responsible for the population decrease of Portlock in the 1940s. What did you think? Was it good? I didn't watch it. I was like, I've got it on my list to watch. Ah, uh, okay. All right. But yeah, like I said, I've been into the whole true crime situation for several months now. Okay. 
Less menacing versions have been recorded, such as one by Reverend Elkanah Walker in 1840. Walker was a Protestant missionary who recorded stories of giants among the natives living near Spokane. Uh, These giants were said to live on and around the peaks of the nearby mountains, stealing salmon from the fishermen's nets. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious to you. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Could you imagine like walking up and seeing this Bigfoot just like gathering up all your (laughs) If I were there, I'd be like, (laughs) what do you do with that? Do you want some dill? (laughs) Um, Let me show you how to bake that. It's delish. All right. So on July 16, 1924, an article in the Oregonian made national news when a story was published describing a conflict between a group of gold prospectors and a group of ape men in a gorge near Mount St. Helens. The prospectors reported encountering, encountering gorilla men near their remote cabin. One of the men, Fred Beck, indicated that he struck one of the camp creatures with a with rifle fire. That night, they re- reported coming under attack by the creatures who were said to um, be throwing large rocks at the cabin, damaging oh, the roof and knocking back unconscious. The men fled the area the following morning. The U.S. Forest Service investigated the site of the alleged incident. The investigators found no compelling evidence of the event and concluded it was likely a fabrication. Hmm. Stories of large, hair-covered, bipedal ape men or mountain devils had been a persistent piece of folklore in the area for centuries prior to the alleged incident. Uh, Today, the area is known as Ape Canyon and is cemented within Bigfoot-related folklore. Oh, my God. (laughs) Ape Canyon. (laughs) So, in 1958, Jerry Crew, he was a bulldozer operator for a logging company in Hobolt County, California. Uh, he discovered a set of large, like, 16-inch human-like footprints sucked deep into the mud in the Six Rivers National Forest. Yeah. So, upon informing his co-workers, many claimed to have seen similar tracks on previous job sites, um, as well as, t- as telling of odd incidences such as an oil drum weighing 450 pounds having been moved without explanation. The logging company men soon began utilizing Bigfoot to describe the apparent culprit. Crew and others initially believed someone was playing a prank on them. Um, After observing more of these massive footprints, he contacted reporter Andrew Gonzoli of the Humboldt Times newspaper. So Gonzoli interviewed lumber workers and wrote articles about the mysterious footprints, including the name Bigfoot in relation to the tracks and the tales um, of large, hairy, wild men. Oh, Jesus Christ. So a plaster cast was made of the footprints and crew appeared holding one of the casts on the front page of the newspaper on October 6, 1958. Wow. The story spread rapidly as Gonzoli began to receive correspondence from major media outlets, including the New York Times and Los Angeles Times. As a result, the term Bigfoot became widespread as a reference to an apparently large, unknown creature leaving massive footprints in Northern California. So as a result, Willow Creek and Humboldt County are considered by some to be the Bigfoot capital of the world. What about that place in, what was it, Oregon or Spokane? Um, not as much. We'll talk about another one up in um, Canada. That's like a big deal, too. Oh, wow. Um, 
So claims about the origins and characteristics of Bigfoot vary. The subject of Bigfoot has crossed over with other paranormal claims, uh, including that Bigfoot, extraterrestrials, and UFOs are related, <laughs> that Bigfoot are psychic, can shapeshift, or, able, um, or are able to cross into different dimensions, um, or they are completely supernatural in origin. I believe that. I'm here for all of this. I think it's all true. Right. Mm-hmm. Additionally, claims regard big, regarding Bigfoot have been associated with conspiracy theories, including a government cover-up. <laughs> so, according to Live Science, there have been... Bigfoot and Taylor Swift are going to fuck up our election. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Bigfoot stuff in ballot boxes! Um <laughs> So according to Live Science, there have been over 10,000 reported Bigfoot sightings in the continental United States. Wow, 10,000. Uh, That's way more than I thought. Oh, yeah. Way more. About one third of all claims of Bigfoot sightings are located in the Pacific Northwest, hmm. with the remaining reports spread throughout the rest of North America. Most reports are considered mistakes or hoaxes, even by those researchers who claim that Bigfoot exists. Sightings predominantly occur in the northwestern region of Washington State, Oregon, Northern California, and British Columbia. According to data collected from the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, BFRO, (laughs) um, Bigfoot (laughs) Sightings Database in 2019, Washington has over 2,000 reported sightings, California over 1,600, Pennsylvania over 1,300, New York and Oregon over 1,000, and Texas has just over 800 Damn. Yeah. The debate over the legitimacy of uh, Bigfoot sightings reached a peak in the 70s. And Bigfoot has been regarded as the first widely popularized example of pseudoscience in American culture. For sure. So some Bigfoot researchers um, allege that Bigfoot throws rocks as territorial displays and for communication. Um, Other alleged behaviors include audible blows struck against trees or wood knocking. Further alleged to be uh, communicative. Sure. Skeptics argue, argue that these behaviors are easily hoaxed. Additionally, structures of broken and twisted um, foliage. Oh, God, for fuck's sake. Foliage. <laughs> like, I know how to say that word. I'm just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was doing so good. Oh, shit. God. Do you guys see now why road. we need to fucking like, close the book on this? <laughs> twisted foliage. That's seemingly funny. placed in apparently I need new glasses placed in specific areas have been attributed by some to Bigfoot behavior and some reports lodgepole pine and other small trees have been observed bent uprooted or stacked in patterns such as weaved and crisscrossed leading some to theorize that they are potential that like territorial markings That's some instances have also included entire deer skeletons being suspended high in trees Okay, no, I don't like that. That's kind of fucking weird. (laughs) I don't like that. (laughs) Like, it didn't jump up there itself. All right. right, Some some researchers and enthusiasts believe Bigfoot construct teepee-like structures out of dead trees and foliage. In Washington State, a team of amateur Bigfoot researchers called the Olympic Project claimed to have discovered a collection of nests. Ew. Yeah. Doesn't sound fun. Um, the group uh, brought in primatologists to study them with the conclusion being that they appear to have been created by a primate. Okay. That's fucking crazy. That um, is crazy. 
Jesus, yeah. that would be terrifying. <laughs> See dead deer skeletons and nests. I'm like, uh-uh, we're leaving now. As soon as we're doing, th- like going anywhere near things we're calling nests, I'm out. <laughs> out. I don't do nests, mm-hmm. no. I've seen Blair Witch. Uh-uh, no. <laughs> right. That's not we're happening. from trees and we're going into nests. And I'm gonna <laughs> no, no, sorry. Can't do um, Busy that day. Jeremiah Byron, host of the Bigfoot Society podcast, believes Bigfoot um, are omnivores, stating they eat both plants and meat. I've seen accounts that they eat everything from berries, leaves, nuts, and fruit to salmon, rabbit, elk, and bear. So Um, everything we eat. Yeah. Ronnie LeBlanc, uh, host of Expedition Bigfoot on the Travel Channel, indicated he has heard anecdotal reports of Bigfoot allegedly hunting and consuming deer. Okay. So some Bigfoot researchers have reported the creatures moving or taking possession of intentional gifts left by humans, uh, such as food and jewelry, and leaving items in their places, such as rocks and twigs. I'm like, big deal, crows do that too. Um, I'm going to leave bat bobs and body butters. <laughs> like a perfume salts or something. I hear you have a bit of an odor. <laughs> Many alleged sightings are reported to occur at night, leading some cryptozoologists to hypothesize. Um, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad one. <laughs> I wonder how bad I'm gonna do. <laughs> it's contagious. <sighs> so Bigfoot may possess nocturnal tendencies. However, experts find such behavior untenable. See, like that's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> And but supposed- hypothesize is a problem. <laughs> Don't, like I'm all, my mouth just gave up. And a supposed ape or human-like creature, as as all known apes, including humans, um, are diurnal, with only lesser evidence exhibiting nocturnality. Fuck all those words. I just. I mean, I'm looking at the next <laughs> sentence, and I'm like, man, I'm not getting any better. <laughs> These words are big. (laughs) Most anecdotal sightings of Bigfoot describe the creatures allegedly observed as solitary, although some reports have described groups being allegedly observed together. Um, Alleged vocalizations such as howls, screams, moans, grunts, whistles, and even a form of supposed language have been reported and allegedly recorded. Some of these alleged vocalizations Recordings have been analyzed by individuals such as retired U.S. Navy cryptologist, cryptologic linguist Scott Nelson. He analyzed audio recordings from the early 70s, said to be recorded in the Sierra Nevada mountains, dubbed the Sierra Sounds, and stated it is definitely a language. It is definitely not human in origin and could not have been faked. Well, that's a pretty definitive all right, that's kind of a statement. Yeah, like, hmm. So Les Stroud has spoken of a strange vocalization he heard in the wilderness while fi- filming Survivor Man that he stated sounded primate in origin. A number of anecdotal reports of Bigfoot encounters have resulted in witnesses claiming to be disoriented, dizzy, and anxious. Uh, I would be a little bit day. fucking anxious too. Um, that's me on a normal day. <laughs> What's happening now? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Some Bigfoot researchers, uh, such as paranormal author Nick Redfern, have proposed that Bigfoot may produce 
infrasound, mm, which could okay. explain reports of this nature. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So in Fook, Arkansas, which <laughs> if you've ever been to Arkansas, the whole place is fooked. In is 1971, a family reported that a large hair-covered creature startled a woman after reaching through a window. Did he have a Did he have a sock on his jaw? <laughs> this alleged incident caused hysteria in the Fook area and inspired the horror movie The Legend of Boggy Creek in 1972. I've heard uh, of that. Yeah, the the report yeah. was later deemed a hoax though. Ah. So in 1974, the New York Times presented the dubious tale of Albert Ostman, a Canadian prospector who stated that he was kidnapped and held captive by a family of Bigfoot for six days in 1924. This has got to be a hoax. I don't, I'm sure it was, but that's all it kind of. I mean, by a family. Okay, sure. In 1994, former U.S. Forest Service Ranger Paul Freeman, a Bigfoot researcher, videotaped an alleged Bigfoot he reportedly encountered in the Blue Mountains in Oregon. The tape, often referred to as the Freeman footage, continues to be scrutinized and its authenticity debated. Freeman had previously gained media recognition in the 80s for documented, um, documenting alleged Bigfoot tracks, claiming they possessed dermal ridges. Um, I made dermal ridges. I think like fingerprints, like oh shit, oh okay, like your feet have you know fingerprints. Yeah, okay. Well, they have ridges and swirls. Yeah, 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 yeah. just like your fingerprints. Oh wow, okay. Hmm. So on May twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six, Lori Pate, who was on a camping trip near the Washington State Canada border. Mm-hmm. videotaped a dark subject she reported encountering running across a field and claimed it was Bigfoot. The film dubbed the Memorial Day Bigfoot footage. These names, they're really Jesus fucking just... God. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, often depicted in Bigfoot-related media, most notably in the 2003 documentary Sasquatch Legend Meet Science. In his research, Daniel Perez of the Skeptical Inquirer Concluded yeah. that the footage was likely a hoax perpetuated by a human in a gorilla costume. I'm sorry, but, and guys, we're going to show you these pictures. That is a pretty detailed costume. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, I, I don't know. It's just, it's too big to really like. Yeah. We're going to show pictures of some of the most famous ones in just a minute. Um, and so I'm just going over like some big notable sightings. Sure. So in 2018, Bigfoot researcher Claudia Ackley garnered international attention after filing a lawsuit with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife for failing to acknowledge the existence of Bigfoot. Ackley claimed <laughs> to have encountered and filmed a Bigfoot in the San Bernardino Mountains in 2017, describing what she saw as a Neanderthal man with a lot of hair. Ackley contacted emergency services as well as the CDFW. A state investigator concluded that she encountered a bear. Until her death in 2023, Ackley also ran an online support group for individuals claiming to experience psychological trauma as a result of alleged Bigfoot encounters. Damn. Right? She sued him. That's fucking funny. Uh, You acknowledge um, his existence or I want $50 million. (laughs) Right. Take me to his nest. Um, <laughs> I got a deer skeleton in Eve. 
Um, I want to make a yarn drawing. Um, in October 2023, a woman named Shannon Parker uploaded a video of an alleged Bigfoot to Facebook. The, vo- the footage went viral on social media and was shared via various news publications. Uh, Shannon Parker reported she and others observed the subject while riding a train on the Durango and Silverton Narrow Gauge Railroad in the San Juan Mountains in Colorado. The authenticity of the video was debated across social media. Skeptics on Reddit speculated it was a publicity hoax perpetrated by an RV company located in the area of Sasquatch Expedition Campers, Um, which that's fucking brilliant. The company denied the allegations. Oh, my God. Carrie, I have an idea. So in the early 90s, 911 audio recordings were made public in which a homeowner in Kitsap County, Washington, called law enforcement for assistance with the large subject, describing described by him as being all in black, having entered his backyard. He previously, re- previously reported to law enforcement that his dog was killed recently when it was thrown over his fence. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, my God. Bigfoot, I was on your side till now. Right. Anthropologist Jeffrey Meldrum notes that any large predatory animal is potentially dangerous, specifically if provoked, but indicates that most anecdotal accounts of a Bigfoot encounter result in the creatures hiding or fleeing from people. Uh, The 2021 Hulu documentary series Sasquatch describes marijuana farmers (laughs) telling stories, which is big in Humboldt County. Come on. Telling stories of Bigfoot's harassing and killing people within the Emerald Triangle region in the 70s through the 90s. Jesus. And specifically the alleged murder of three migrant workers in 93. Um, Investigative journalist David Holthouse attributes the stories to illegal drug operations. Yeah, no shit. Using the local Bigfoot lore to scare away the competition, specifically superstitious (laughs) immigrants, and that the high rate of murder and missing persons in the area is attributed to human actions. Have you ever seen that documentary? Um, oh, something mountain. It's all about all the grow operations that were going around in Humboldt County and how many people have disappeared um, that no. go there to work the marijuana. Oh, it's really good. I'll have to, I have to remember the name of that. I'll tell you. Yeah, for sure. It's really good. Um, you love that. It's true crime. Like about all these I people that have disappeared. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so that's that same area. Right. And they were trying to attribute basically that Bigfoot had gone and like, was, was running the around for... the marijuana forests <laughs> instead of the drug dealers. But, you know. Hey, maybe that's what's in the nest. Pot? Yeah. Then I'm fucking in. Let's go. <laughs> right. Are <laughs> the nests are not so bad. Good shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so skeptics argue that many of these alleged encounters are easily hoaxed, uh, the result of misidentification or outright fabrication. All right. So we're going to show the first picture. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to put it on an overlay, guys. So here we go. Right. That's this is the most famous Bigfoot photo. Mm-hmm. This one. Um, it is uh, the most famous and influential Bigfoot footage is in the 1967 film shot by Roger. Roger, here I go. Thanks for giving it to me. Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin in Northern California. The Bigfoot walk it depicts <laughs> the Bigfoot walk it depicts has been parodied by many but never truly replicated. Even with <laughs> his enhanced image, it's hard to tell if it's a person in a gorilla suit or the real deal. I mean, it is blurry. 
but it could be a gorilla. I don't know. What do you think of it? I like it. Um, well, this is the one that like really blew it up, right? Like, so yeah, that video footage where you see him like walking across, um, like kind of like a sandy bank, and then there's the forest behind him, and it's just the gorilla like suit or yeah. Bigfoot, whatever you want to say, like walking all like with his arms just. I don't know, kind of trucking across. Kind of strolling, yeah. Yeah. So I think at some point they, like, said that they found stuff with the people. I mean, so there's all kinds of stories about this one, if it was real or not, back and forth, whatever. But I still think it's a really good one. I do, too. Even as far as, even if it was... uh, um, Even if they set it up, like, they actually did a really good job with it. (laughs) I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I like. I don't know. I like it. I buy it. Why wouldn't there be? Why are we so arrogant to think that these cryptids are they don't exist? I mean, I get like scientifically they need proof and they need like whatever, and you know they need them to go on Good Morning America and admit, hey, yeah, I'm real, to believe it. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I've always. Same way with aliens. Why Why do people think, why are people so arrogant to think that we're the only ones in the universe? Aliens are real. I've never seen one, but I'd like to. I'm here for I, you. Come, I, come get me. I believe in the aliens. For sure. For sure. Now, this next picture, um, a youth group was camping in the Marble Mountain Wilderness um, of California when their leader, Jim Mills, noticed a strange-looking creature skulking along a ridge nearby. He filmed it for nearly seven minutes, making the somewhat grainy footage the longest video of an alleged Bigfoot sighting. See, this one, like, look to the left, doesn't it? Now, I don't know. I, I can't, I don't think I've ever seen, like, the full video. But doesn't it look like that's a dog? And like, It does look like a dog. Like, that's a guy. Dude, like, fucking walking his dog. Right. Like, that this could be a backpack. dodgy. Yeah, I'm like. Mm. Yeah. His back is weird. Granted, it does look like the other one. Sort of, but it looks more like a backpack. Like this right? could be just a guy. Yeah. I think this is just a dude. Yeah, <laughs> like I think with so this too. dog walking along. <laughs> okay, this next one is what I was like. It's so cute. So this one, a British explorer, Eric Earl Shipton, snapped this photo while trekking through the Himalayas in 1951. So alleging that the footprint belonged to a yeti. Um, so he, took, he takes this photo, and then in 2014, Christie's Auction House in London capitalized on the worldwide interest in Bigfoot and sold the original photo for nearly $5,000. Wow. I don't know, like, I that looks like a cute little chubby kid footprint. I don't know how long the pickaxe is. I don't, like... Pickaxes are pretty big. So are they? Like, yeah. It's got to be a pretty decent-sized foot there. Yeah. I don't know. So I mean, bears don't have toes, toes like this. Yeah, yeah, right. There's no claws. It really looks like a person toe, you know. Yeah. If it they does, were it looks kind of thicker, human. more padding, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Size of pickaxe, so it's got to be, you know, 16 inches or so. That's in the snow, pretty. Yeah, you're right. Well preserved. That's yeah, a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. one. This next one is 
So this is um, called the Independence Day film. A beast was caught in a remarkably clear video that shows an alleged adult Bigfoot walking through the woods with a cub or a kid in tow. The filmmaker and exact location are unknown, and many skeptics claim that there is a telling visible seam of a gorilla suit. So is the kid supposed to be like uh, next to him on the other side? The in tow tells me it should be behind him. I don't see anything behind him. Yeah, it might not be in the picture, but yeah. Mm. A lot of, yeah. I don't but, see a, well, this white, this lighter part on its leg, I guess maybe could be considered a seam, but if I can see it, it is, it's fairly large. That's a huge seam. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's hard to make out a lot on that one. It just is kind of yeah. blurry. Kind of looks like a somebody under a blanket almost. <laughs> like, right? are you wearing a snuggie? Because I feel like that's what's happening. All right. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Okay. This one is real hard, guys. This one's hard. So in October 2012, a goop, a goop. Thank you, mm-hmm. Laura. A group of siblings hiking in Provo Canyon thought they spotted a bear in the woods and started filming. When the creature stood up on two legs, the hikers ran, (laughs) abruptly ending the shaky video. A year later, the siblings launched a Kickstarter campaign to investigate other Utah Bigfoot sightings. Laura, I really think you and I need to start a Kickstarter campaign for, I don't know, something. They did it (laughs) to look for Bigfoot. I mean, This was a difficult one. This Mm. could be, it could be a bear. Yeah, it definitely could be a bear that like stood up. Mm-hmm. There's but, too much in front of it to really. Yeah, there's a bunch of it's. It's actually not that um, blurry. It's just that there's a lot of like overgrowth in between. Yeah, the and if it turned and stood upright to go uphill, yeah, I don't think a bear would do that. That's fucking weird. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This one is weird. This one I like. This is the last mm-hmm. one. This one I like. Like, look at that. It's it's way more clear. <laughs> it's very clear. Yeah. So this was taken in 2007 by a hunter named Rick Jacobs. He captured some of the most famous Bigfoot images to date with a camera mounted to a tree. Oh, shit. In Pennsylvania's Allegheny National Forest. <laughs> I, I definitely, I kept this one in there for you. Oh my God. I'm going to have to be, now I'm going to be freaked out having a cigarette late at night back on Jennifer's deck. Um, His camera also captured clear photos of bear cubs offering evidence that the unidentified animal was not ursine, but skeptics believe the animal is just a bear with a stick. Wait, what? A bear stick with mange. Thank you. It's just a bear sick with mange. That's a very sick bear. Look how thin that is compared to a bear. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. since when are bears' legs like that long and muscular? And just like long, it doesn't look like bear legs. It doesn't look like bear legs at all. It's weird. That's a good. That's like one of my more favorite ones. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. one. Ooh, you know the people that the TikToks of people that are like, I have an outdoor camera and look what he captured, and it's like pointed at the woods and forest. I'm like, I'm not looking at this. That's terrifying. <laughs> Fuck, you take that down. What are you doing? <laughs> no. All right. So 
Um, there have been 37 notable Sasquatch sightings near the town of Harrison Hot Springs since 1900. That goes back a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, the creature is considered sacred to West Coast First Nations, particularly the Stahelis. Stahelis? Lis? Mm-hmm. Or Lee? Okay, Stahelis. Uh, who have lived in the Harrison River Valley for at least 10,000 years. So to sate a growing curiosity, Harrison Hot Springs opened a Sasquatch museum inside its visitor center in 2017. And it worked with um, a Sahalis member, Boyd Peters, who provided input on the original Sahalis acquisitions, including a drum and a replica wood mask of Sasquatch. Other, dipl- other displays explain the Stahalis uh, belief in Sasquatch as a caretaker of the land and a totem for their nation. Um, a stylized image of Sasquatch is actually on the Stahalis flag, which I, isn't that interesting? That's really interesting. Really cool. They really, be- they really believe in this. Um, these exhibits are juxtaposed with casts of Sasquatch footprints, news clippings about sightings that date to 1884 and a logbook of, of reported local encounters. This reminds me of Mothman's museum. Yeah, I, you know, I thought that this was so cool, and particularly because it comes from the people that have been there, yeah, you know, forever. Lived there for 10,000 years, yeah. Right. And, of course, like, now it's, like, a hot spot, and there's the museum and everything, which is still cool. Like, now I want to yeah. go. But, um, I know. I mean, Mothman was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Now we got to yeah. go see this one. Right. That yeah. Was really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, since the museum opened, tourist numbers to the visitor center have doubled to 20,000 annually. <laughs> I don't doubt it. And the resort community received a um, $1 million government grant to build an expanded museum and visitor center, uh, a facility that will aim to balance the telling of Western sighting accounts with Sahali stories and mythology. It's slated to open in 2023. I like that they're working with the, with them. With mm-hmm. the natives. I really I like that. That's cool. So long before TV shows such as Animal Planets Finding Bigfoot sensationalizes the pursuit of the creature, the Stahalis passed down songs and stories about Saskets, a supernatural soliloquum. What are you doing, Laura? <laughs> or shapeshifter. Yeah, go. or shapeshifter, yes, that protects the land and people. Laura wrote this, by the way, guys. In fact, Sasquatch is the anglicized version of Saskets, which means hairy man in in Halak El, wait, what is it? Halke MLM, the Sahales upriver dialect. Oh, we thought that was good. You did a good job. Thanks. Let's see. Oh, God, there's more. All these little red lines. <laughs> the word comes from a mountain that's called Saskatchewan, the place where the Sasquatch gathers, said Kelsey Charlie, a Sahalis band counselor, which is in, basically an elected governance position. Um, everybody paid reverence and honor to the emblem of our nation, which is the Sasquatch. In 1929, J.W. Burns, who was a Canadian government agent, published an article in McLean's magazine titled Introducing BC's Hairy Giants, (laughs) which he wrote based on stories shared by the Sahalis community members he had befriended. Now, the article presented Sasquatch to the rest of Canada, and the tale took off from there. So this intersection of Sasquatch as a symbolic totem 
and Sasquatch as living a living primate has taken the story beyond mere speculation in Harrison Hot Springs. The town has become a magnet for those seeking answers, like the 26% of Canadians that believe cryptids such as Sasquatch are definitely or probably real. Now, that's according to an Angus Reid Institute public opinion poll from 2016. That's kind of a lot of people. I <laughs> think that is a of, lot of people, yeah. That's kind of a lot of people. Um, people literally come here on a pilgrimage, and more than you might think, said Robert uh, Reyers. He's the director of um, tourism for Harrison. So in addition to visiting the Sasquatch Museum, visitors can take a Sasquatch tour with Gautier's company, Harrison Lake Nature Adventures, or walk the Sasquatch Trail and take selfies next to Sasquatch <laughs> statues. I, you know I'd be doing that. <laughs> Literally, I put this in because I was like, yeah. Yeah, for this sure. we would do. <laughs> a thousand percent. Every June, visitors can attend Sasquatch Days, which have been held since 1938. At the event, West Coast First Nations gather for canoe races, salmon barbecue, ooh, and Sahali's Sasquatch dances. Um, God, I love this. I love all of this. Um, so let's take a look here. We're going to talk a little bit about um, Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization or uh, BFRO or BIFRO. That's what I'm going to call it, <laughs> BIFRO. Uh, so what are the undisputed facts about the Bigfoot Sasquatch mystery. Let's get into it. Um, it's a fact that for more than 400 years, people have reported seeing large hair-covered man-like animals in the wilderness of North America. Consistently for 400 fucking years, guys. Like, come on. Uh, it's a fact that sightings of these animals continue today, real or not. These reports are often made by people of unimpeachable character. That's telling. Um, it is a fact for over 70 years, people have been finding, photographing, and casting sets of very large human-shaped tracks. Most are discovered by chance in remote areas, and these tracks continue to be found to this day. So it's also a fact that the cultural histories of many Native American and First Nation peoples include stories and beliefs about non-human peoples of the wild. Many of these descriptions bear a striking resemblance to the hairy man-like creatures reported today. These are some of the facts. There is, however, much disagreement as to what these facts mean. So to many, these facts taken together suggest the presence of an animal, probably a primate, that exists today in very low population densities. Now, if true, this species, having likely evolved alongside humans, became astonishingly adept at avoiding human contact <laughs> through a process of natural selection. These are like the ultimate introverts. I didn't seek champions. A thousand percent. And that's why I love my sticker. Mm. Um, to others, these same facts point to a cultural phenomenon kept alive today through a combination of the misidentification of known animals, wishful thinking, and the deliberate fact <laughs> the deliberate fabrication of evidence, which you know people have done. Mm. You know people have done. Um, the Bifro and its members take the former view. Um, so they do have uh, a website and they have a YouTube channel um, as well as new, new sightings. So um, is this the video you want me to play? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the um, – this is one of – on the website there are, um, you know, up-to-date – lists for every state how many sightings um and then 
there are reports like everything posted since January 1st of this year. Um, Dude, seriously? Oh yeah, my God. So I'm going to, I think it came over weird on the copy. So I'm going to tell you these ones. Okay. So okay. June, wait. Okay. So reports posted since January 1st. Okay. That doesn't okay. mean that's when they happen, but June, uh, 2023 in Louisiana, local resident has close range daylight road crossing encounter. Um, November 1997 in Iowa. A large figure seen by pheasant hunter on public hunting land. <laughs> August 2018, Washington, Pierce County. Friends camping at Cedar Lake. Um, hear possible Bigfoot vocals. Oh. Uh, December 2023, Maine. Multiple family members mentioned multiple incidents on lo- isolated property near the Canadian border. Mm. Uh, November of 2023 in Texas, mother and son near big hunting lease tract outside uh, Buna report loud wood knocks at dusk. Hmm. That's not creepy at all. All right. January 75, experienced hunters find a possible track line in the snow on Blue Mountain and share a photo. Uh, and there's like links to photo. Fo- I mean, they have like all, it's literally so stuff. stuff on there. Um so January 2007, memory told of almost running over a hair-covered man-like figure laying in the road at um, night. So they have updates on the search and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, you know, they were talking about how they think that he, you know, is always, like, vocalizing stuff, kind of like my dog. Um <laughs> Maybe he's like, Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm not. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. But this one I thought was fun because it was actually taken in Arizona, which is you know where I live and where Carrie used to live, um, up north, like where I go camping all the time. <laughs> I mean, um, kinda, yeah. Like, I'm not I'm so, um, do you want to play that? And we yeah. can see it does to me. It sounds like coyotes, but listen. Interesting. All right, let's see. Here. Have a okay. listeny. Share my screen. Here we go. Mm-hmm. That? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. that's weird Mm -hmm. like it sounds like a coyote but then it doesn't or yeah like or a human doing a really good here's what's crazy laura i've heard this the space is not far from the mogollon rim Mm -hmm. i've heard these sounds in at the mogollon rim yeah like i you know i'm not a biologist of any kind but uh right i thought it was um kind of interesting because it could be like those noises coyotes bouncing off you know the sounds reverberating off sure yeah you know what i mean but there's parts that i'm like for sure i'm like that's fucking coyotes and then i'll hear something else i'm like "Hmm, maybe it's not coyotes (laughs) that was really weird i've heard those noises on the rim though i just figured it was 
campers or hikers or um somebody being murdered like not my business <laughs> right yeah you do you I'll do me it's fine mm-hmm. um that's kind of creepy that gives me the skeeves really bad because I've heard those noises on the rim that's so awesome isn't that crazy well, I'm glad I could bring that to your life you're welcome thank you I appreciate yeah I appreciate it you jackass okay um so this company the, the Bifro right this is Bifro mm. yeah um they you said they add new updates and so let's uh, talk about some other explanations right mm-hmm. scientists theorize that mistaken identification of american black bears as bigfoot are a likely explanation for most reported sightings particularly when observers um view a subject from afar are in dense foliage or there are poor lighting conditions i mean i guess but black bears are big and like they're round, kind of like they're they're chubby, tubby things. I guess. I mean, some could be, but the heads are very different. How could you mm. possibly confuse a bear head with a gorilla head? I don't know. But from afar, maybe. I if suppose they, maybe from the yeah. back. Yeah, if you're high. Listen, you know you you'd gone to Humboldt. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, black bears have been observed and recorded rock rocking. Nope. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Laura. Walking okay. upright. Often as the result of an injury. While upright, adult black bears stand roughly five to seven feet tall, and grizzly bears roughly eight to nine feet tall, both within the range of anecdotal Bigfoot reports. Some have proposed that sightings of Bigfoot may simply be people observing and misidentifying known great apes, such as chimpanzees, gorillas, and orangutans that have escaped from captivity, such as zoos, circuses, and exotic pets belonging to private owners. This explanation is often proposed in relation to the skunk ape. (laughs) As some scientists argue, the humid subtropical climate of the southeastern United States could potentially support a population of escaped apes. Oh, I guess, I guess. Yeah. Humans have been mistaken for Bigfoot with some incidents leading to injuries. In 2013, a 21-year-old man in Oklahoma was arrested after he told law enforcement he accidentally shot his friend in the back while their group was allegedly hunting for Bigfoot. What the hell? In 2017, a shamanist wearing clothing made of animal furs was vacationing in, oh dear, North Carolina. (laughs) Oh no. Uh Uh-oh. When local reports of alleged Bigfoot sightings flooded in. The Greenville Police Department, wow, that's not far. The Greenville (laughs) uh, Police Department issued a public notice not to shoot Bigfoot for fear of mistakenly injuring or killing someone in a fur suit. Oh my God. God. In 2018, a person was shot multiple times by a hunter in Helena, Montana, who claimed he mistook him for a Bigfoot. And also, at what point are these people just like, now they're just lying? Right? I, like shot I, shot, I thought it was You Bigfoot. know what? He looked really scary. Yeah, I, he, I, I, he looked like Bigfoot. <laughs> he threw a deer into a tree. <laughs> right? I didn't realize he was wearing his mother's fur. Um... Additionally, some have attributed, oh dear God. Additionally, some have attributed feral humans or hermits living in the wilderness as being another explanation for alleged Bigfoot sightings. One story, the wild man of the Navidad, 
tells of a wild ape man who roamed the wilderness of eastern Texas in the mid-19th century, stealing good food and goods from residents. A search party allegedly captured an escaped African slave attributed to the story. During the 1980s, several psychologically damaged American Vietnam veterans were stated by the state of Washington's Veterans Affairs Director Randy Fisher to have been living in remote wooded areas of the state. So we've talked about this this phenomenon on the show before, guys. So some have proposed that pareidolia may explain Bigfoot sightings, specifically the tendency to observe human-like faces and figures in the natural environment. Photos and videos of poor quality alleged to depict Bigfoots are often attributed to this phenomenon and commonly, <laughs> commonly referred to as blob squatch. <laughs> That's such a better name. Blob squatch. I absolutely, we're changing it, guys. Have this catch on. All right. So the majority of mainstream scientists maintain that the source of the sounds often attributed to Bigfoot are either hoaxes, anthropomorphization, I said that right, wow, or likely misidentified and produced by known animals such as owl, wolf, coyote, and fox. Owl. Um, Both Bigfoot believers and non-believers agree that many reporting sightings are hoaxes. So Bigfoot proponents Grover Krantz and Jeffrey H. Bourne both believe that Bigfoot could be a relicit population of the extinct Southeast Asian ape species, Gigantopithecus blackie. Oh, look at you go. Right? Look at me go. Actually, you know what? I think um, Hodgins said that word on bones. (laughs) Truly. That's where we get all our scientific learning. (laughs) How I know everything about bones. Yeah, I think think Hodgins said that. Gigantopithecus. Um, According to Bourne, G. Blackie, here we go, that's better, (laughs) may have followed the many other species of animals that migrated across the Bering Land Bridge to the Americas. To date, no Gigantopithecus fossils have been found in the Americas. In Asia, the only recovered fossils have been of mandibles and teeth, leaving uncertainty about G. Blackie's locomotion. Krantz has argued that G. Blackie could have been bipedal based on his extrapolation from the shape of its mandible. However, that's interesting. From its Mm -hmm. jaw, you can tell with it. Huh. However, the relevant part of the mandible is not present in any fossils. The consensus view is that G. Blackie was quadrupedal, as its enormous mass would have made it difficult for it to adopt a bipedal gait. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the story and the theories and the ideas about Blob Squatch. Yes. And if you're interested in more, the BFRO is also like, I mean, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, that's a good place to start. It's very entertaining. Wow. That is really cool. So check out the BIFRO Mm -hmm. um, and everybody start passing it on that uh, Bigfoot is now Blob Squatch. I think I'm going to get that tattoo. I love it so much. Blob Squatch. Um, Or maybe that's our new punk band. Blob Squatch. Blob Squatch. Dibs. Nobody take it. Nobody take it. Trademark. 
Um, anyway, yeah. So thanks for joining us again this week. We are so glad to be back. We love you all. We're having the best time with you. This was a lot of fun. I do love a good cryptid story. Next week, I have no idea what we're doing because I wrote the list six months ago. I'll figure it out. We'll see you then. We can find out together. We can find, yeah, man, we can find out together what we're doing. It's always a learning experience here, guys. And as we say, stay safe out there because you never know who or what Bob Blob Squatch is listening and uh, stealing your salmon, (laughs) stealing your kettle of fish. Like that was Zane. All right, we're head, we're heading out now. (laughs) Bye, guys. See you next week. (laughs) 